Hey, good morning. Welcome to the Common Good Podcast. Astrophysicist Paul Wallace, did you think I wasn't going to bring you on there? I was a real, if you're watching the video, they know it was a real reveal. <laughs> Your Facebook finally popped up. Good to see you today. Thanks. Happy. Good to happy, see you. Uh, Thursday, August, August 10th to you. Yeah. It's an important day for you in any reason. I'm sure somebody, you know, it's a birthday, it's an anniversary, it's that day. They no, not, nothing, nothing big happening. We got our third kid in high school now. Yeah, our last started school already, like August 10th. Yeah, already... we're, we're crazy down there. Not college. I won't start for a couple more weeks at the college, but uh, wow. public schools here, yeah, started uh, Monday. And I've got our third, our third and youngest child is now a high schooler. She's in ninth grade. What, what's the rationale for that? Do they get out like in May? Is the school done? Like, yeah, yeah, we get out. Uh, the kids get out late May, May 23rd, 25th, hmm. something like that. They're, okay. they're, by the time June comes around, they've been out for a week, basically. Okay. Huh. So yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why it's so early. I feel like it was when I was a kid here in the same county, DeKalb County, um, I feel like it was later. I feel like it was like, I remember thinking June, July, August, those are the summer months. Yes. It's called summer. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I thought about it yeah. too. So um, yeah, they're in school. Uh, in, in my world here in Minnesota, where by the way, the weather is just another glorious uh, Minnesota summer day. Beautiful. 82 breezy. going to be nice. Wow. Um, all the things you'd want out of summer. Uh, they used to not start school here until after Labor Day. It was a big. Uh, right. I think it had something to do with the state fair even like there was a big state fair lobby and a few years ago they changed wow it and bumped it uh bumped it earlier so now uh school starts sometimes you know before before labor day i don't know if it ever starts before august though uh, or before mm -hmm. september but i'll tell you as somebody who's had four children go through public school um mm -hmm. and they're right in a right in a row for ages they're now 33 32 31 30. I don't think about school at all. I mean, I don't know when it starts. Uh, apparently buses <laughs> just show up. It is something else how fast that switch gets thrown. Um, yeah. I mean, well, I'm, I'm, we think about it a little bit with our grandkids, but not in our regular rhythm of life. And not even college because your kids are way out of yeah. college too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I used to be a youth pastor and thought so much about all that. And then I was, you know, yeah. obviously I was a college student and school, school was the frame like that. It has been for me my entire life. I mean, I've never not I've never not been associated since I went to preschool. I've never not been associated with some school when fall came. Is that right? Since preschool, yep. Whether I was in school or teaching school, it's always been wow. a, a yearly thing. Well, I'll just tell you, there's life outside of it, my friend. There's life. Uh, <laughs> there's life on the life on the other side. All right, Paul. Let's get right into it because I just can't wait to talk about this fun little story. By the way, Paul Wallace, if you're new to our conversations here as an astrophysicist, a professor, a preacher, a pastor, an author, as already mentioned, a father, a husband. I mean, let's go yeah. through the list of, of things that you uh, that you do, but also a birder. And that's uh, right. You really had me thinking a couple weeks ago when you told me that I was overpaying for the bird seed. So now I'm starving out those birds in the back because they went through this <laughs> big bag in a week. And the yeah, they burned through it in there. And then, yeah. Hey, uh, but Paul, yesterday I was just sitting in my family room, getting a little bit of uh, work done on the computer as a you know person of of the twenty twenty threes does working from home. Yep, yep, yep. And I hear a doggone woodpecker pecking yeah. on this this thing outside of our house. We have this little barrel, kind of a little design piece in our yard with a rooster on top. Uh, and this woodpecker is up there beating the life out of this yep. structure we have. And I go out, and there's wood chippings everywhere. They are destructive. They They've got a lot of energy in that in that system of theirs, and the way it works is unbelievable. What, what does a person do when the, when a woodpecker is pecking on a place that a woodpecker? I, I don't know. There's much you can do. I, I was sitting in my bed, like having a cup of coffee. This was a couple of years ago, and a red-bellied woodpecker started pecking on the box end of our roof, like right at the corner where I was, and it sounded uh -huh. like a Gatling gun in there. It was just like, yeah. you know. But there's, I don't, I don't know. If there's anything you can do about that. I have no clue. I have no. I mean, it, it I don't know. Solution. It, it totally destroyed the piece of wood it was pecking on, mm -hmm. and uh, 
just kind of made it look ugly and everything else. So I don't know. I went out there and put grapeseed oil on it, which is what we use to finish the thing. Just hoping that yeah. maybe it was the raw wood and maybe there was a worm maybe so maybe something got inside of it. But I mean, our house, our, our we have paint and you know sealant on our on our end of our roof, and they They're didn't still stop us. Still banging away. Wow. This is my first woodpecker experience. And I just, you know, <laughs> I, I always had fond memories of childhood cartoons of woodpeckers. And sure, yeah. if I see a woodpecker out in the wilderness or something, I'd be like, oh, that, look at that woodpecker. How fun. Yeah. And then the things over to home, there huh? destroying yeah, like, get that, <laughs> get that thing out of here. Uh, yeah, some woodpeckers, here? like affiliated woodpeckers, can just absolutely rip a tree up. I mean, just tear it up. Are they going at what? What do you know about woodpeckers here? They're going, going for at, bugs. They're, they're they're going for bugs that are in the wood. It is food related then. It's all about okay. food. All right. Well, Paul, I sent you this story yesterday, and I've been giggling since I read it. Um, so uh, I think uh, I think here we go. Um, and it's bird, it's bird related. I mean, I seeing the seeing the headline and the picture here. All right. So this was in my news feed. I don't know how Apple news feeds work. I don't know if everybody sees the news I see, but. If yeah. you happen to be, you know, doom scrolling through and you see this beautiful image of a hawk caught yeah. my eye uh, because we have a hawk in the neighborhood and <laughs> the headline, uh, this is from NBC News, is, quote, help me, Jesus, <laughs> colon, I just got to read this whole thing, colon, a hawk appears to drop a snake on a woman before attacking to get it back. And just oh. the headline. I mean, when you're a headline writer for like these, and you get to write that headline, just <laughs> tremendous. All right, so you know we have uh, we have had our moments of dragging headline writers on this program, but this is a great headline right here. Great headline. This right. this is a great headline. It wraps it all up. The story's not very long, but it reads like this: In a bewildering series of events, a Texas woman was injured after a hawk appeared to drop a snake on her before swooping down and launching into an attack in an attempt to recover its prey. <laughs> I mean, right there, what a sentence, right? <laughs> okay. Peggy Jones. And it just sounds like something out of the onion. You know, I have to read it like the onion. Uh, yeah, yeah. Guy. Uh, area woman, Peggy Jones was moving yeah, her area woman, yeah. in, in Silsby about 100 miles Northeast of Houston on Tuesday. When, out of nowhere, a snake plummeted from the sky before landing on her arm and wrapping itself around her limb, she told the Houston-based NBC affiliate KPRC-TV. So a snake comes flying, falling out of the air. He's just out mowing her lawn. This is, like old, this is like Old Testament kind of stuff. <laughs> and a snake, a snake not only falls from the sky, but hits her, lands on her, and the snake has the wherewithal to wrap itself around her arm. I, I mean, okay, so I don't know which where is, she Which is. itself is enough, right? That, yeah, enough, right there, that, that right itself there, is more stop. than enough. Full stop, greatest story she will ever tell in her life until it was replaced by this part of the story. As the snake tightened around her arm, a hawk suddenly swooped down from above <laughs> and started attacking Jones as it tried to pry the serpent away from her arm. <laughs> now, now she has a lawnmower. She has a snake on her arm. <laughs> she has a hawk that is now attacking her and attacking the snake. And then she says, the snake is squeezing so hard, and I was waving my arm in the air. And then this hawk came swooping down and started clawing, <laughs> clawing my arm over and over. Jones, who did not immediately respond to a request for comment from NBC News, or said this to NBC News, I just kept saying, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I mean, if you're not a praying person, this could turn you into one in yeah, an instant. That's right. Like whatever right. is happening, there's a snake wrapped on your arm that fell from the sky, and now a hawk is attacking you, trying to get the snake back. She said the hawk came in and and came at her at least four times. So 
So the hawk attacks, flies away, and then comes back again. Yeah. <laughs> now she's terrified. And then the hawk comes back three more times and attacks her arm. Uh, Jones said that her husband took her to the emergency room after he heard her screaming and ran to her aid. Quote, I was yelling and screaming. He didn't know what I was saying. I thought I was bitten by a snake. So now this person has to explain to her husband what possibly what possibly happened. She's got a bloody arm and all clawed up from the hawk. And then it goes on to say no snake bite was found. But Jones did say that she had what appeared to be snake venom on her glasses, which were damaged during the incident. Uh, the Sisabe resident said people have told her that she must have been the unluckiest person alive to have both a snake and a hawk attack her at the same time. However, she said, I feel like the luckiest person alive because I survived this. <laughs> like, what a, what a class half full kind of person. She also yeah. said, she also said, and I love this line so much. It wasn't her first encounter with a snake. She already survived being bitten by a snake a few years ago. I mean, just the best. Oh my gosh. Makes you, makes you scared to walk outside. I mean, everything about it is just unreal to me. Uh, the, I, the absolute suddenness of it. She was minding her own business, you know, probably lost in her thoughts while she was mowing the lawn, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> nature appears right oh, on top of her right on top of her arm paul i mean it is just to me so wonderful this poor woman just uh i mean she she is not going to rest comfortably probably for weeks or months the, <laughs> the drama that has to come upon you and then just the times when she's going to be reminded i don't know standing outside or hearing a lawn blow lawnmower or yeah, smelling yeah. the smell of fret Fresh cut or just seeing a hawk, (laughs) seeing a hawk. (laughs) I mean, oh, I just love it so, so very much. Have you ever had anything even remotely close? No, happened to you in your life. I have seen a, I have seen a, 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 a osprey with a. I think it was an eel. That's about as close as I can get. Osprey either had a snake or an eel. I I was, I was at the uh, ocean. I was at the coast, and I saw an osprey with a. With a, it was either a snake or an eel it was carrying. Um, that's the closest I've gotten. That's it. And I've never been attacked by, you know, I, I had a owl, an owl fly over my head very close once. But, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but you know, nothing, nothing on this scale, no. Well, I've had three bat encounters in the last week. Um, in the last week? Yeah, the last week. In the last week. Actually, now in the last... No, not even last week. In the last five days, yeah, yeah, I saw the story on Tuesday. But we had a, a bat in our house last Thursday. Awesome! And in your house? In our house, yeah, in our dining room. Okay, uh, and I will say, uh, okay, and so so we had a bat in the house, uh, yeah. and, I, and I had to had to capture it up, and I've become very accustomed to capturing bats in my house, which is a problem that I've now solved. Uh, <laughs> And then I was at, on Monday, I was uh, at a little guitar play along at, uh, at a church. And we finished up and we're packing up. And next thing you know, there's a bat flying around in that room, right at our faces. A like bat. within a couple of days of the bat in your house? Yeah, Thursday, bat in my house. Monday night, nine o'clock, bat in the church. Monday night, 1130, a bat in our house, in our bedroom. The same night, the same night <laughs> the as the church? Night, same night, same night. <laughs> Boy, I'd start to wonder uh, about yourself, Doug. Are you kidding me? I was like, what is going on? Bat in our bedroom. And my wife is terrified of them and just, but we've had them in our house so many times. She just drops into the fetal position. So, so this is actually something that has happened, happened before in okay, your house. We, you. Oh yeah. So we, we live in an old house and we have a yeah. fire, we have a fire place in our, in the oldest part of the house from the 1890s or something. And the chimney of that fireplace is not typical on the on the top and was more open than most chimneys uh-huh. and doesn't fit a chimney cap. So we've had people okay. out and they're like, yeah, your chimney's got to be reworked. We can't fit a chimney cap on it or whatever. Um, so we've decided we're never using that that fireplace because it's a little unsafe because uh, it's so old and it has to be retucked and all this. So 
finally on Tuesday, I went to Home Depot and figured out a plan and climbed up on my roof in a dangerous act and sealed off the top of the of the chimney. And so now so they were were they living? Were, were they sleeping in in uh, in the chim down in the chimney? Would they? Oh, boy. I'm, I mean, because we had that happen at my house when I was growing up. You could go up during the during the day. You could go up with a flashlight and shine it down the chimney and see all the little bats in a row all along the edge of the inside of the chimney. See all their little bodies all lined up as they were sleeping. Paul, <laughs> I sealed that chimney up on both ends. Nice, so. nice. So let's hope they're not in. Let's, let's hope they're not sleeping in there. Did you seal it up on both ends or just the top? Yeah, so, so partially sealed on the lower end because it's, I'm like, oh, cold air is coming in here. The little damper doesn't close all the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many ways that this could have been solved years ago that we shouldn't have had bats, bats in our house. But I don't know. It we would just like block off the fireplace in the in the winter time or something. You know, we put a yeah, right. It. So we finally, I don't know, I got up there and fixed it. I, I looked in there just to see like where does this thing go and how does this work and make sure I'm not making a mistake. But now I don't know. Maybe bats. Maybe bats have made their home in there. That's what I'm saying. But maybe I would hear them. Wouldn't I hear them? Squeaking yeah, we heard screeching? them. We heard them. We could hear them when they were when they were coming and going. Okay. Uh, we could hear them down in did the living room. Did they get in your room. house yeah. or were they just, did your damper keep I don't think you ever got in the house. I think we kept the flu shut and I think that was sufficient to keep them out. Um, yeah. well, and most of them wouldn't come down down that deep anyway, I, I don't think. Um, well, I'm guessing but no, that's it never how happened. It, how, they, how they were getting in our house. So anyway, three we, bats. We did have an owl. Out. Remember the owl we had in our our college mm -hmm. library last year? Yeah, yeah, that was pretty awesome. Well, Came down the chimney. Know. The hawk story is just one of the best. All right, should we move on to more uh, <clears throat> more sciencey things? Even though Cosmic we're not stuff. Be, yeah, not going to be nearly as uh, nearly as fun. Uh, all right, Paul. Um, unbelievable. The scientist says in this headline. Direct evidence, both of these in quotes, unbelievable is in quote, direct evidence. And you think they're about to say that the former president of the United States conspired against the goodness of the United States to bring down the federal government. You would think that would be it, but that's Un no longer because that is Because that is unbelievable. <laughs> yes. And also more of a Tuesday news story in, in the yeah. life that we're all living uh, currently. But this unbelievable claim is that there is, quote, direct evidence of gravity breaking down. <laughs> Yeah. Do you know who doesn't yeah. think gravity is breaking down, Paul? Area woman in Salsa Bay, Texas, for whom a snake <laughs> fell from the sky. Gravity was working very well that day yeah. in her like, in her immediate vicinity. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gravity is just doing great. Uh, well, all right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, here we have another one of these headlines. You know that uh, that a uh, little bit. Uh, overwritten perhaps uh, gravity breaking down that's the phrase mm -hmm. that uh that uh you got to be careful about i mean because the you know the naive reader thinks oh my god maybe i'll fly off the face of the planet tomorrow if gravity breaks down right but no that's yeah, not that's what he's exactly talking about the worry because someone watches this little uh, live stream or listens to the podcast and now their anxiety is perhaps <laughs> a, a serpent is going to fall from the sky and or maybe I'm going to fly off the planet. Maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe I will yeah. shoot to the sky because gravity is not what we thought. But this right. has got to be no, concerning it, to it, people who work with gravitational systems and poles. Oh, and yeah, it, it is. I mean, it, it, the, the effect is apparently a, a very, a very faint one. But, uh, you know, it was written. This is an act. This is a real scientific article in a, in a real journal. Mm -hmm. um, and uh it's prompted by a basic problem, I think, that uh, we've talked about before on the podcast, which is this idea of dark matter. Yeah. Um, uh, we think, the put it this way, we have indirect evidence that there is more matter in the universe than we can detect. Okay. But it's, but, but it's a lot of indirect evidence. And, and, and it's not so, all so, the so, same. So let me circle with you on that. So what you're saying yeah. is there's things that they see happening in the cosmos that have to be being impacted by something according to current formulas and understanding. They're not sure what those forces are and they call those forces. Yeah. Dark matter. Dark matter. So yeah, what's happening is there are phenomena 
in the universe mm -hmm. that are most simply explained by saying there is matter there, there is mass in this area, around this galaxy, among this cluster of galaxies, whatever. There's more mass there than we can see. That's okay. the simplest explanation. Okay. We've been looking for 50 years for this dark matter and we can't find it. Okay, so it's basically the okay. leap year of uh, the calendar. <laughs> right. Hey, our formulas about how stuff works, as long as we have a thing we don't know exists in the formula, then, then it works. There's a... Right, if we yeah. put extra matter in the formulas, stuff that we mm -hmm. can't detect, mm -hmm. then it works out that and works. conforms to what we okay. see. It, our theory matches the data, but that, that's just a fudge factor, right? That's yeah. not, that's just throwing numbers in there to adjust it, to make it fit what we see. That's not really a theory. That's not really a you know, self-consistent kind of you okay. know, explanation. It's just a fudge okay. factor. And so there has been some, I, been some suspicion that maybe it's not that there's extra stuff out there, but that our theories of gravity are incomplete. Really? Okay. Right, right. And so people have been formulating alternative theories of gravity um, for a long time, trying to, trying to, you know, basically chase down that possibility. Hmm. So are you saying there's, there's people, astronomers and whatever other names are given to people who study gravity? It's probably a subdivision of this world. Uh, is there, by the way, is there a name for someone who studies gravity that's different than an astronomer? Uh, is that like a... anybody who studies gravity on it would probably be a cosmologist? Oh, okay, great. Yeah, that's so not that's not a not a cosmetologist, a cosmologist. I love it. Uh, it was totally my kind of joke right there. Um, uh, like, do they do eyebrows as well? Uh, so, okay, so the cosmologists are saying to themselves. Okay, the dark matter explanation very well could be true, but wouldn't it be great if we could explain these things without having to have the dark matter? Right, right. And yeah, this yeah. scientist, if I read this story right, is or cosmologist, is saying, I think I see something that can be explained without using dark matter as a part of the explanation yeah and that tells yeah, us no, that there's something that's not, different about gravity that's not that's it. not quite what's happening here well, I heard what's that happening here is what what's happening here is this scientist is looking at a set of data let me put it this way this scientist is looking at some objects in space for which dark matter should not be a factor okay okay so from what we know about dark matter it should not have an effect on these binary stars should not will not what, okay. why, why is that i thought dark matter was like the thing that is everywhere and that's one of those forces that dark matter usually works on sort of galactic scales and larger so on this on the on the scale of a right. galaxy that that's the level at which you Got see it. effects of dark matter sort of the size of a galaxy and bigger that's the that, that's <laughs> the ambitious. scale yeah 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 but this is a very, compared to that, this is a very small system. Okay. It's a binary star. Okay. So our sun is a, is a, is a lone star. It's, it's, it's all by itself. It doesn't have a partner. Mm. Most stars are in binary systems or triplets or mm. something like that. Okay. Um, so these stars are everywhere. These binary stars are everywhere. And from what we know about dark matter, Dark matter should not play a role in the gravity of these systems. Okay, should not be there. Is, so the assumption going is in that is because that because of the, the the binary nature of them, is that no? It's what? just because the, the 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 cumulative gravity of them is not enough to start seeing the effects of dark matter. Okay, we only see the effects of dark matter on galactic okay. scales and larger. This but is you, a this this is a the size of this system is one millionth or one one hundred thousandth the size of a galaxy. And they're seeing distance. some, this, this cosmologist is seeing something between these binary stars that's... Seeing something, some behavior of these stars, which is not consistent with our current theories of gravity. Wow. 
Uh, something that if, so, something that if multiplied up many times might have the kind of effect that we're seeing. Yep. That's what's happening. Wow. And it's preliminary. And if you read the article, you'll see the guy, I mean, he's a scientist. He's not, you know, he's not ready to say he's found it, but he is saying that, that, that this is a, that this could be, you know, that this isn't a real effect. It needs some kind of explanation. Hmm. And that explanation may or may not solve the dark matter problem. It may make it worse, but it, it, it may just reduce it. It may just reduce it and make it not as important, but it might not eliminate it altogether. He doesn't know. Mm -hmm. So gravity breaking down, what that means is, hmm. you know, eighth or ninth decimal place down in results from the general theory of relativity might be off. Oh, I see. So that's what that means. Okay. So without dark matter, the theories of gravity are like mostly accurate anyway. Is that? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Even if this was, even if this was I confirmed see. to be real, it wouldn't chow. I mean, it, it would, it would tweak hmm. the theory. It would, it would, it, this is kind of what happened, okay, with, with Newton's theory of gravity, which was yeah. the theory of gravity for a couple centuries. Okay. It worked great for a long time until they found something that a motion of mercury that didn't conform to it. It, it was acting, mercury was acting in a way that was inconsistent with Einstein's, with Newton's theory. But which Einstein's theory, which came later, predicted exactly you know, to a fraction of a percent, hmm. of which was effect. remind us what that was. What is that? Is that the, the which, which the, theory the, of Einstein's was that general theory of relativity? The general Basically, theory. Einstein proposed a new theory of gravity, which explained everything Newton's theory explained, plus these more subtle effects that Newton's theory didn't explain. Okay. And so this may just be happening one step beyond that. Now we've found an effect which is not explained by Einstein's theory in way in which may demand a new theory of gravity. Wow. That's kind of fun that's to be living happening. in that time, huh? Hey baby. Yeah. Yeah. Cosmology is a mess. There's all kinds of open questions in cosmology and huh. astronomy. It's, 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 we're, we're in a situation not too unlike in some ways, you know, what happened Copernicus's time, you know, we yeah. could be in for a, a major shift. I, I was out on my, we have a little back patio and it has pavers, you know, for the, like for the patio area. And yeah. it just has, it has, it's old school, like 25 years old. So it just has sand. Now they make these patios and stuff with like locking stuff. So you don't have sand coming up and the ants are no. pulling up the sand all the time. Right. So it's the older, older stuff. All that to say the ants are just constantly bringing the sand up one grain at a time and making little piles and little empty spots. And you have to go out and sweep the sand back into the crevasses, right? So I'm out there doing this and there's a bunch of ants scurrying around and I'm thinking about the cosmos and I'm like, to an ant, what's happening in their little ant brains, whatever could be going on with their little ant brains. <laughs> Not much. All of the sudden, out of nowhere, everything is just swirling and pushing in this, you know, some broom and it's a different broom now than it's been. I used a different broom and I'm just sort of thinking, you know, sort of anthropologically about these, these little sure. ants. And like, I don't know, is that a way, is that how, what humanity's experience with the big things? The sky? I wonder sometimes. Yeah. You got to wonder, you know what I'm saying? Like there's some, okay. So all of that inserts that there's a random acting person, you know, sentient being of conscience in this case with a broom that just decides on a, on a Wednesday that it's time to fix up these ants work, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So just completely random. There's no predictability that this was going to happen or whatnot and, and all the rest of it. Is there any chance that things in the cosmos and I, I'm not saying there's, you know, big old, person with a beard but is there any yeah. chance that there's just like ra just randomness things that happen and go on 
and aren't all explained by math and theories in a predictable way. So we just say each and every time we know what's going to happen. Is that at all an option? Do people talk about that at all in the world of cosmology? Yeah. Is there anything no. like no. a person I mean, the, the, the world theory? Yeah. The, the whole idea behind, behind science is to find patterns and to find regularities. And to, to basically, you have to believe that they're there to start. And, uh, and then you look for them and try to uncover them. But, you know, we see no evidence of that kind of, you know, large scale randomness. I mean, th there is random, really? don't get me wrong. There is randomness <laughs> okay. in the universe. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, no. In the sense of, in the sense of just big ass things happening out of nowhere without any, you know, explanation or, uh, you know, hmm. I, I think that, okay. uh, that's more of a pre-scientific kind of uh, response, I think, you know, you know, almost a religious response, you know? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, no, t totally. And, and look, I'm not suggesting there should be that theory. It's just sort of the, you know, the ponderings of a guy with a broom in his hand, a bunch of ants at his feet. I'm reminded yeah. of a uh, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy where, you know, the aliens were making basically an interstate right through the area and, you know, oh. had to, had to deal with the solar system, you know? Well, okay. So yeah, we can get to, we can get to aliens here in a minute, um, which I don't tend to think are a real thing. Mm. But then you're like, I don't like, <laughs> um, again, you know, I, I, when, I, when I've looked at Einstein stuff, which I find really beautiful and helpful, he, he will use these like analogies these anthropomorphic analogies of like yeah. well how what does gravity work or something else and well a person on a train feels like they're moving but if you had that at a bigger cosmic level that you know so you're having to take this like little human experience and then extrapolate it out to a larger sense to understand these theories so i don't know maybe you know a guy with a maybe we just don't <laughs> About to get banned from the internet just for saying dumbass stuff, but uh, maybe I, it has nobody else has been banned for saying dumbass <laughs> stuff. I don't know why they'd start with you, yeah, right. Um, maybe we're just not out far enough to see the, the the broom business or or long enough period of time, right? Like between well, that, no, that's that could definitely the last be time it, I, I mean, you know, swept that, the patio, and this time that's that's the, that's the 5,000 years of human exploration, yeah. Like, I mean, okay, I mean, kids, you know, yeah, here comes yeah. a freaking broom, yeah. I don't, yeah, I, don't 10, know. 000, I mean, it seems 10, like 10,000 years of history, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and you frankly, can certainly be on something years of human history of which 150 or 300 years we've been paying attention to the stars in the manner that we've been paying attention right to the stars. right so I mean, we're, we're talking, talking about, about yeah. we're talking about a, a tenth <laughs> of a second compared to a year and you know as far as you know something yeah. like that i i don't know yeah because you yeah know, that you is a, that's close to it there's actually. just so much random i i don't know like randomness in what we see on in this little biosphere that we live on it's kind of curious, right? That no, then you get out far enough uh, out of the atmosphere and into the and no, no, out here everything settles in and kind of follows a bunch of predictable patterns and rules. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. Yeah, because, from a yeah, on a big sense from, from a scientific from yeah. a scientific point of view, from a physicist point of view, there's randomness basically rules the microscopic world, just absolutely. Uh, and it also, you know, on some level may rule like the cosmological world, but in the middle here, in the middle scales where we live, that's where there seems to be a lot of order. It seems to be a lot of, you know, hmm. non-chaos happening. Did you hear so, about the it, woman who was mowing her lawn in a snake? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> She's somebody for whom she's like, there's some chaos here. Well, I mean, it's just coming. It's just snakes happen is all I'm saying, man. Snakes happen. <laughs> snakes fall in the sky. And then are picked up by the god, by the hawk, the god hawk uh, that comes back together. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that would not like, like lead to some sort of uh, personal sort of uh, local religion, you know, being established, you know. A story would be passed down and it would be built on and, and 500 years, they'd have like this myth of, you know, snakes falling from the sky 100%. and what, all, what it all means. And the best part of this story that I'm now thinking about it is that this, this woman, she's the only one who 
can tell that that's what say that that's what happened. Right. All, all people, other people see is an arm with a bunch of claw marks on it. Right. And right. Some glasses no snake, see. no snake, no hawk. A you know. woman screaming in her yard, help me, Jesus. And next thing you know, her husband comes out and her arm's bloodied. What if they had had like a security camera like running and it happened to catch the whole thing? Yeah, I, I just, I'm not letting this thing go. <laughs> it's gonna, uh, it's just so wonderful. All right. Well, uh, I mean, this is what I find interesting about these stories. The, the one that we're talking about here about how gravity breaks down and the dark matter has been the explanation for a lot of things, but now maybe dark matter can't explain this, that that kind of unexplainable piece to it all is what keeps, all, I'm sure for you too, as a scientist, this is what keeps it all interesting, right? That's right. Like, That's right. Like as great as, you know, Einstein's general theory of rel relativity and special theory of relativity and so on are, are and are meaningful. That's not where the fun is, right? In, right. In it was like, fun. It was fun when he was working on it. I mean, right. it's fun now to learn it. It's a real, it's a real brain trip, real mind trip to, to learn it. But yeah, the fun stuff for scientists happens when you don't know yeah. stuff. And the, the, yeah. the unexplainable pieces that just get these cute little references like, well, we just call that dark matter because we can't shine a light on it or whatever, whatever, right. they, pick, whatever they pick dark matter. Just because we don't know that there's a guy with a broom. Uh, and again, <laughs> I am not suggesting there's a guy or that there's- No, you, you're, I, I hear what you're saying. What you're saying is that there, there's something, so, something going on that, that, that our science just hasn't imagined yet, just, just can't. Yeah, my guess is if you had sat, if somebody had popped into Newton's world and said to Newton, hey, Newt, look, here's the thing. <laughs> and then they, they whip out, you know, general relativity or special relativity right. or pop in a little quantum physics or talk about a little elect electromagnetism or tell the story about yeah. a snake falling from the sky. That Newton's going to be like, there are things we know. <laughs> and those are not in that set of things we know. Like, do you, yeah. do you think it right. would have been that way or would Newton have been like, oh, that was like another apple fell from the tree for me? You know, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, th I think Newton could have gotten relativity because it didn't it doesn't demand that he understands a lot of things that he didn't already understand the ideas of space and time. I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing about relativity that, that's so amazing. It doesn't deal with individual phenomena like a magnetism, you know, or something like that, or nuclear physics. It deals with the very foundation of physics, which is space mm -hmm. and time, which is something Newton had thought a lot about, space and time. Now, if you'd have thrown quantum mechanics up at Newton, that would have required a whole lot of exp intermediate explanation. Mm -hmm. Atoms, you know. He wouldn't have known what atoms are, you See, know. Isn't that just beautiful? Like Newton, for everything that Newtonian physics produced, or well, continuing to produce, to the reality and the, the the understanding that Newton could bear, and then like, but a concept of an atom, yeah. as we now understand it, gone. Maybe even the concept of microorganisms, maybe even bacteria. No, I no, stuff. absolutely not. No, I don't think so. Uh -uh. He had said. So here's the deal, Newt. There's a bunch of little microscopic uh, things, animals. Craw animals crawling around. He'd be like, okay, that is like old, old timey religion stuff. <laughs> right. Talk about there being like <laughs> or, uh, dragons and. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but, but relativity, I think the ideas of the basic ideas of space and time, he, he spent so much time thinking about those exact things. I think, I think there would there. be very little intermediate stuff he'd have to know there's why a lot of math there's a lot why, of math he wouldn't have known why did it take so long then to get from newton to einstein and why did it take a, a lowly patent clerk who couldn't get a job uh, at a real institution? because certain experimental uh, results came in that demanded explanation um basically mm -hmm. something called the michelson morley experiment uh mm -hmm. and other things like that uh mo mostly the michelson morley experiment demanded an explanation and uh, that's and special relativity provided the explanation hmm. for and, it. And, uh, and, and, the, by explanation, I mean like a theoretical foundation yeah. context for making sense of it. Yeah. And, 
Yeah. Yeah. Because in, in your world of science explanations, that word functions differently than it does for some, in some right. other, right. In some other right. places, like explain yourself. Right. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Not exactly like that. All right. Uh, uh, okay. One more, uh, worth talking about on Mars. We got that Mars uh, lunar rover still running around up yep. there. Curiosity, I think it is up there. Which, which again can still send back these unbelievably clear photos, and yet, you know, there's days I can't do a FaceTime because I know because because the internet doesn't work. <laughs> I know, <laughs> like what's going on? It's lovely um, when things work, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've yeah. we've said it before, but I'm going to say it every day. It's lovely when it's it's lovely when things work, and Curiosity is working. The Mars rover. The obsession with large masses of liquid H2O on Mars continues. Always. And again, it was this, our conversations have been enlightening to me that, that, that there's a big difference to you uh, cosmologists and, and people that think about space, big difference between water and ice. To me, oh, yeah. I didn't know that was a difference. I thought what people wanted was to find H2O out there. And now I think oh, about right. that, that that's what I thought. I'm like, well, of course not. I knew there were like icy asteroids, but it, somehow these two ideas didn't come together. The hunt for water, I thought yeah. was the hunt for H2O. You have since corrected oh, me. Oh, no, that. liquid it's, water. We think liquid water is necessary for life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how so there's gotta be, be a certain how there can be ice without liquid water is, is baffling to me. Uh, I, I'm not sure how those... How do those elements go straight well, from hydrogen and oxygen into frozen form? Well, it happens. Uh, you ever seen dry ice, carbon, uh, solid carbon uh, yes, dioxide? But, but it's like it goes straight. Like the food that goes straight. Refrigerator. I don't know where it comes from or how it got there. It's just <laughs> well, uh, car, you know, dry ice basically, you know, smoke machines, uh, whatever. Uh, not smoke machines, but but dry ice goes from solid directly to vapor. Okay. It's called sublimation. When you go from a, a, a gas phase directly to the solid phase, it happens uh, for CO2 on the Earth's surface, but water can do that at different temperatures and pressures. Oh. In space, like comets, basically, this big ball of ice, and the ice in the comet gets sublimated directly into gas, and that's what the long tail is that we see. Hmm. Is gas is, is, is water is H2O molecules vapor. Skipping, so, skipping that liquid stage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I guess my question is not, how does it go from solid to vapor? How does it go from hydrogen and oxygen elements into straight into solid form? Well, um, does it, it must think, do that, right? Yeah. I mean, frost is basically that. But isn't that taking forms. liquid that's in the air and then it's hard? No, it's going... no, it's vapor. It's H2O molecules bouncing around among the nitrogen and oxygen molecules. And they hit the, you know, they, they, they attach to your grass or your leaves or whatever. And they, and they, and they, and, and oh. they stick to it because it's colder. And the things on that uh, leaf okay. are moving slower. It gets trapped oh. and it goes straight from vapor to solid. How about that? So it, it, it's, it's not an exotic process is all I'm trying to say. Huh. But yeah, there's a lot of water out there. There's a lot of water between the stars. There's H2O floating around between, you know, by water, I mean H2O is floating around out there between the stars. Um, we can see it out there. But the but question it's liquid, is, it's not liquid form. It's not, it's not liquid, right? It's not con it, 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 It's not condensed into liquid. Okay, I think you know where this is going. I'm going to come back to how do clouds work because I know I keep hearing the explanation, but still, that floating water business. Uh, uh, okay, so, uh, I mean, how water floats. All right, but back to Mars. Uh, Mars mm -hmm. finds signs of seasonal floods. The Mars rover uh, pictures are now telling people that they're seeing something. The headline says, it's an exciting find because wet slash dry cycles may be central to pre-life chemistry so they think they're right. seeing something am i am i getting this right on yeah the, this this would, have, this would have all been in the past this wouldn't yeah. be happening now yeah so they're saying well when we look at the ground up there we see these mm -hmm. hexagon shaped patterns which if you look if somebody's able to look on the screen here they can see that it's the dirt on one side mud. and they've overlaid like 
looks like they've overlaid kind of a a drawing so you can see more clearly the patterns you know and, the, and they've a little 10 centimeter uh, scale on there so that somebody can see what they're what they're noticing that this little pattern on Mars says to them sometime millions of years ago there was there were water and dry periods that were creating this pattern like the explanation for how this pattern got there is not a sentient being with a broom it is wet and dry <laughs> Uh, pattern or wet, wet and dry cycles that then tend to form the the mud, right? And the dirt, the, right. The, the dirt into this, so they're getting right. closer to believing that there were big cycles on Mars before. Right. And and this is one place where my own, you know, knowledge is not very helpful. I I don't know, and I couldn't find in the article how it is that this cyclic wet dry thing leads to this hexagonal pattern. I yeah. I don't. I don't see why it should be a hexagon. I mean, water crystals are hexagons. Snowflakes are hexagons. Is it related to that? I, I find that hard to believe, but it could be. I don't know. Hmm. So I'll take their word for it, that this is a sign of, of you know, wet, dry season, you know, over and over and over and over again. Yeah, it seems like a, seems like a decent enough explanation for someone like me who doesn't know about this yeah. stuff. I don't know why they'd make it up. <laughs> Put it where, that way. Where does all that water go? If there were these oceans, which now just regularly in our conversations and other places, you hear people looking at what's coming back from the, the rovers on Mars. They're like, oh, no, there were oceans and oceans of water up here. Did it, did yeah. it turn to vapor and disappear? What like what what, what do you think? What's I, I, it, it might have. I don't think it would have heated up enough to, in a sense, boil away. Um, or, you know, just, just, just evaporate mm -hmm. all of it away. I, I imagine that most of it, uh, from my memory of, of reading about this, uh, a lot of it is likely have gone into sort of a permafrost, um, under the ground, hmm. like, like you find in cold regions in, on, on the earth. And there's tons of water in permafrost up under the tundra and so forth, you know, in Northern mm -hmm. regions, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's frozen down, frozen in there. Wow, that's okay. what I that's what I seem to remember. Huh. So fascinating. I, I don't know if there would have been anything that to happen in Mars's past that would have heated it up so much that it would have okay. essentially eva all so, evaporated. So whatever was causing this wet and dry cycle on Mars stopped, and then the water. Because Mars doesn't because of, have an atmosphere like we do, where the water goes from the ground up into the sky, right, and floats right. like it's, magic it's, in it, clouds, and then it, comes back. It has an atmosphere, but it's about a hundredth the density of ours. It's very thin. Does it have clouds? Like, uh, no, no, it doesn't support clouds. Okay, so it's not it's dust not storms. It, it, dust storms, yes, get 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 up into it, and dust storms can cover almost the whole planet at times. Hmm. But um, so there's wind and there are, believe it or not, like little dust devils, little little cyclones, you know, hmm. we've got videos of, du of dust, dust devils on Mars. You know, what I'm talking about dust devils. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I'm just I'm just, you know, my mind was yeah. just sort of running to then tumbleweeds. And then somewhere on Mars, there was some kind of a saloon. At one point, <laughs> there, was a, there was a guy with a horse with no name and the whole, you know, the whole Mars, the whole Mars thing. Well, isn't all this just better explained by aliens? Wouldn't that be a better, a better way to sort of get after? Hey, did you see that, that, that uh, whistleblower testimony from the Navy pilot that was just recently in, in front of Congress? And yeah, about, like, about alien, about aliens. Well, about here's what I saw with these lights dashing around and I'm in an F-16 and I'm chasing these things and here's, a, and it's 20 minutes of, you know, he's, he describes what for him was a 20 minute experience of, of these things. It was, I, I, as I said, I'm not into this at all. I don't think the explanation is that there's aliens interacting and I certainly don't think they're interacting with us on earth. Was um, this like, a, this was like a hearing on Capitol Hill, right? Oh yeah. It was a, yeah, it was a yeah. full on yeah. like. I'm under oath and I'll right tell you about what right. happened in whatever I can't remember if it was early 2000s, I think maybe early 2000s, something like that, like 20 yeah. years, 20 years ago. Um, in this case, yeah, I'm, I'm, 
I'm like you, you know, I, I, I really don't believe that aliens are, are on ships visiting the earth. I, I, you know, and I was wondering if there was like an actual astronomer there who was like giving, you know, a, their perspective on this. Um, cause it was a little bit of a, it, it was a little bit of a noise on social media. I remember it. I, I didn't get deeply into it. Um, well, it's, it, it, it's worth the five, seven minute watch of this guy's testimony. <laughs> it's just like, what on earth? I mean, if you, no, if you trust him to be a, a, you know, a trustworthy voice on this, if you're like, no, this guy's. Oh, I absolutely trust him. I, I don't think he's making it up. So, um, and it's not like but, he saw something out of the corner of his eye and I was trying to explain. He's like, no, I was chasing this thing around. <laughs> it was darting and dropping down to hundreds of feet and then shooting up to 10,000, 20,000 feet instantly. And just like his story was riveting. Well, I need to get, I need, you know, we maybe we should have made that. Uh, maybe we should talk about that All next right, we'll time. Do that. Yeah, yeah, I should go back it. and we'll, look at it. We'll and it'll be old up. news by then, but, but we'll have, I'll have, I want to see it now. You get you're, you're fascinating me. I didn't know those details. Yeah. Well, f fair enough. Yeah. We we will. Uh, that's not you. That's you. You're not Rob Ryerson. There you go. Hang on a second. Is your name is your name Rob Ryerson? Uh oh, I think we just showed the trick behind the uh, behind the curtain here. See, we can just just make people whatever they want. Hey, yesterday I had a fabulous conversation with with someone named Katie Hayes. She's a pastor in in uh, Texas who you should really know just for make your life better. But she mentioned this person, then Yabitz uh, put this uh, comment on YouTube that she was talking about this um, particular uh, person that I mentioned to Katie when she mentioned this guy. Uh, named oh, yeah. Brother, yeah. Do, do you know Brother Guy? Yeah, I've, I've read his, one of his books. Um, really great book. Um, he's a he's a he's mm -hmm. a he's a Jesuit priest and head of the Vatican Observatory. And he wrote a book uh, with somebody else called Would You Baptize an Alien? You know, basically, would you baptize E.T. if E.T. came and wanted to be baptized? I think his answer was, if the alien asked for it, <laughs> you know, if, 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 you know, I wouldn't violate, you know, the alien's wishes. But um, anyway, what's, it's a series of, of like. Of, what's oh, the premise of that question? Like what? what why? I, that's a good question. Was it like, in, I, would you include aliens as, would you treat them with the highest respect, believing for someone who believes that religion is? A yeah. And also, would your religion apply to them? I think yeah, was another okay. aspect, but yeah. he has a great job because there's only like 10 questions in the whole book, but he takes like, you know, 10 to 15 pages on each one and really talks about the question and he's very funny. He's got a great sense of humor. Okay. Really witty. Anyway, it's called something like, would you baptize an extraterrestrial or something like that? Like that. Okay. Well, that yeah. was popping his name, his name. His yeah. Name he's, he's a good guy. Well, Katie, she, she was talking about something somewhat differently that came from one of this person's books. And she was saying that he was making the suggestion that in science, what you're trying to do is to nudge the known understanding with your new discoveries or new uh, explanations. You're not trying to, you're just trying to nudge the trajectory a little bit at a time so that in the future you end up in a different place. Like you're not going this way or that you're not going opposite or something or yeah. stopping You're you're bumping the known knowns in mm -hmm. a way that allow us to end up at a, at a different place. And that sounds like a lot. Anyway, it came up and I said, well, we're going to have a cosmologist or a astrophysicist on uh, and we do this conversation. So that well, I just wanted to chat with you yeah. about that idea. Yeah. Me. It's just about, it's just about following the, the question that you've got in your mind, you know, whatever, you know, the thing about science is that science asks certain questions and only accepts certain kinds of answers. But within that hmm. domain, it's exceedingly fruitful, huh. you know? So every, every discovery you make a new question pops up. That's interesting. And, uh, you know, if it's a scientific question, then you can investigate it and you can keep going and keep going. And it seems, you know, at this point, the only thing limiting us are, you know, budgets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really? And maybe, and maybe some social imagination. Right? Yeah. Maybe there's yeah. a little bit, a, a little bit of that that keeps us from getting. Yeah. Out. And I think budgets are related to social imagination. Mm. Yeah. I mean. They're basically statements of what's important and what we can imagine and what we think is, is, is worth pursuing, mm -hmm. you know, well, and for many years, we've, for... we've 
for many years, I'll put this in real quick. For many years, we've pursued pure science for, you know, just knowledge, realizing that, that, you know, pure scientific knowledge uh, pays off, you know, economically and, you know, betters our, betters our lives, you know, see vaccines, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I hope that the country can continue to support basic science in the way that it has even when there's no immediate obvious payoff, mm-hmm. you know, which some, some lawmakers might not uh, have yeah. a lot of confidence in. Yeah. Yeah. What are we spending money on that for? Well, that, that, right. I think that's a good place for the final uh, little news headline of this. This was from yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently this IFL science site, which again shows up just in my, my news feed, uh, use Apple news. Um, and I like this one because it's Wednesday, 9th of August, 2023 at 1535 and 13 seconds. That's when this story went up. Like, this is breaking news down in a second, right? Uh, and the headline is, Dang. after first ever image of black hole, which should be a showstopper, they took an image of a black hole. What are we that zooming a, in on next? That is a really amazing picture. If I'm if I'm understanding what that's saying, that is that is incredible. I did not have a chance to read this before we got together, and I'm just now looking at that picture. Um, so two things are happening here. One is you, you're talking about the headline and answering that question, but I'm I'm stuck on this picture here. Yeah. Of yeah. this uh, of this. We've already taken a. We've already had a photograph of this particular black hole, but this is a different image of a different aspect of the black hole. I think. And anyway. wants to wants to look at the photon rings. Is apparently what they what they want. But what I think is fascinating about this this headline is okay. We so we saw a black hole. What what, what else we got? We got something more. Got- <laughs> yeah. What's next? Come on. What's next? <laughs> Amuse what's us. Next? What's next? What's next? <laughs> dance for us, scientists. Dance. <laughs> That's right. Earn your earn your keep. Uh, next, we have to go inside the black hole. Yeah. Well, and, and there's something, you know, we'll end on this little philosophical note, I guess there's something that can be sort of like, okay, this is just demand culture and this is just urgency culture. And this is just fulfillment narrative that goes on in our society. And the other mm-hmm. is, this is precisely what drives human expo- exploration and understanding, right? right? right. Is right. you're not going to say, oh, wow, let's just sit and ponder those things that we now have seen or know and just, just keep circling the tree. It's, people saying, well, what's next? We got something more. Yeah. Do we have another one? Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, let's, let's keep, Hey, anybody look over there. <laughs> let's keep, let's keep that, that going, which I just find so wonderful about yeah. our conversations and about all of this is, um, you know, uh, push the envelope conversation as, as Yabit calls it and that kind of thing. But this yeah, idea well- that we're just going to keep, keep up with the what's, but what's next, you know, not yeah. in the what have you done for me lately way, which we right. fun with, but um, something more, more meaningful than that. And I think that we'll see over the next five, 10 years from web, I think we'll see plenty of unbelievable and new stuff. This we, we, we really are in cosmologies uh, prime time right now, aren't we? Like the last, the last 30 or 40 years have been amazing and they're amazing today. Yeah. What we're yeah. learning. Yeah. The, Absolutely. All, all the different parts of science have their, have their day. And, and often mm-hmm. they share, they share a time period. A few things are happening once, but this does seem to be a. It is. And it'll be looked back on as such, I think. And you will be looked back on as one of the great voices in, uh, in human evolution. So <laughs> You're kind. <laughs> thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing it on, uh, on our lowly little podcast and live stream. But to everybody who is here, uh, Yabits and Alex, uh, Mike. Uh, oh, I didn't even put this one up. Uh, Insoluble Coliseum wants to offer us some promotion to our channel. Uh, that's what we get awesome. on Twitch. Uh, Dave, thanks. Uh, good to see you. Peggy, uh, Michael Toy. Yeah, Mark Wingard, Kimberly Johnson. And by the way, Peggy Hay, all these people that if you're not seeing them in your part of the feed, uh, that might be because you're listening to the audio version. So, of course, you wouldn't. Or you're only on Facebook or only on YouTube. And some of these these are coming from both places. So, uh, there's, But our preference, as we like to remind people, if you're going to watch this, is to watch it on YouTube. And if you're going to share the video, share the YouTube video because it just helps us build the YouTube audience. 
and uh, something we're trying to do. So thanks for all that. And subscribe to the podcast if you're into if you're into podcast. And even if you don't listen to it, I don't just go subscribe to ours too. Like like let it be the thing. It's like the health club you belong to that is the health club you don't go to when you're skipping a health club. Yeah, or the yeah. church the what? church you don't go to. Let our podcast be the one you're not listening to, but you <laughs> the podcast to. you don't listen to. <laughs> but you subscribe, I like it. you know. Yeah. It's like when people you you Paul as an author probably know this little joke too when someone says, um, Oh, I really look forward to reading your book. And then you'll say things like, well, whether you read it or not, I'm not so concerned, but I do hope you buy it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, Give me the money. Really two different. Two, two different <laughs> uh, so, you know, subscribe to our podcast, whether you listen or not, just open up that podcast app. And if you don't have one, well, you've got a project for the day. Get yourself a, a podcast app. And I promise you it'll be better than burning your leg on the hot tiles of your roof when you decided to fix your chimney with shorts on also probably better than having a snake dropped on you from outer space and then being attacked by a hawk <laughs> a cosmic snake uh oh such a treat all right uh see you later paul see you see later, ya. everybody had a good time bye now